بود Good morning everyone Welcome to the Explicit Measures Episode 37 And uh, we're going to talk about Data model objects And modeling uh, activities Which will be pretty good I do have an intro. Let's do some And intro I, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Let's jump in. So I, I just want to know what kind of what kind of dinner do you want to guys want to go to? Because I cannot wait for my free dinner. So <laughs> I think I'm right, but you can tell me if I'm wrong. But there was quite the threat. So we got some conflicting information. We got some conflicting yeah, information. Not real. I mean, you saw the filter pane in an image and a YouTube clip. So for a background, for those who are not sure, last week. Uh, we had a conversation about the filter pane and how long it's been in Power BI, both in the service and the desktop. Not as it is now where you could format it, but just some where you could filter report and page level filter Correct. in the service. So I did some digging. It was invalidated by Mike and Seth. So then I reached out to Amanda um, and she was able to verify. And actually, Will Thompson, I, actually, I might have to owe half my dinner to Will. I think you do will some dinner or yeah, at least a couple will, of beers. Will Thompson went through the internet to mm -hmm. kind of scope out a video from 2017, 2016, and also showed an image of it as well. And Amanda said it's something like it did exist with the capacity to filter the page. So I think that's our first bet that I didn't eat my words. So, so I, I just want to happy Tuesday. I want to, I'm going to have to go back to our episode and figure out like what your bet was just that the filter pane was there. There was a filter pane in the service and in okay. the desktop back in 20, like right after G our, our original, our original argument was it wasn't in the desktop was not. Yeah. That's See, what you guys said. It so, was not. So, so here's the thing. Like, are there or in the service? I'm going to have to go back to the episode yeah. and actually listen to it because there, there were, there were nuances here. Right. I, I think, What what you're saying is it's been shown now via Twitter that uh, we had isn't that filter, isn't that the, the ultimate we validation? Filter, we had a we had a filter pane that existed, but it was for everything, just for the page. And I, Actually, I think you this, said you. This, I think it was just for the page. Okay. Because I'll, remember, otherwise, why would they have introduced slicers that crossed pages? No, they the slicers can't. I'm not going to get into that argument. I'm just saying, that. I'm just saying like, I must, yeah, I'm, I'm I'll, I'll, I'll own well, up. All, yeah. I'll, I'll own up. If I hear, it must've been the initial implementation. Let's choose my words carefully here. must've been so <laughs> fantastic. We chose to use slicers and build our own. Right. Videos. Yes. That was because yes. maybe that's why I just, I, I believe that they I'm with you at all. I'm with you, Seth. Cause I remember us going through and when bookmarks showed up, we we're like, look at this. We can put something on the page and put filters down and hide them. And this is so cool because you can't do this. And this was, I mean, 2018, I mean, when was... We wouldn't, we wouldn't have recreated something <laughs> that already existed. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, because it was the black the black filter paint or the dark gray one where it could only be in italic. So we, it was like, you try to show a user it, but like, don't even worry about it because it was so not hidden, but it just was such a terrible experience. This is where it went to when you can actually I format it. I didn't say that. You, you I, it, might, it was in the conference. Someone must have. I was probably on the comments. It's probably in the comments. That's, that's yeah, where it not, was. Not us, not oh, us. We didn't say that. All right. So, so let me get this straight. On a Tuesday, you choose to greet us with gloating. Oh, boy. You know how rare this is I in my life noted. in general? <laughs> so. Okay, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Yeah, enjoy, I mean, enjoy the moment. 
it'll never happen again. I still tell my <laughs> wife, I'm like, remember what I was right about like three years ago? Oh boy. Don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, I will concede if 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 there I have to go back and look at Will's. I didn't look at the thread. Initially the thread was leaning towards yeah. no, it was not in the service. And then all of a sudden Amanda pops out with a screenshot of something. But I, I do I do think it's quite a funny. These yeah. screenshots pop out of nowhere and it's like just the filter pane and it's just all black. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I can't tell if that's in desktop or if that's actually in the service. So I'm a little yeah. sus of this image well, snap. Well, I can tell you exactly what is going to happen. It's going to be foreshadowing because you said it in, in the, uh, in the episode, you said you'll be right, but with, with, and it won't be technically right. So it will be invalidated. <laughs> and that's exactly what's going to happen. I'll buy you. I'll buy you a dinner, Tommy. We, I'll, we, I'll get you a water. I'll get you a water <laughs> at the dinner. All right. <laughs> awesome. So today's topic, um, moving out of our uh, Tommy was right introduction, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, moving into today's, today's topic fully in for uh, models, measurements. Uh, so just talking through some of that. So Tommy, give us kind of an introduction here. Uh, maybe just introduce some of our audience. Some, some people may not know what a composite model is. And let's just maybe start there. And actually, you know what? This, I believe, was a mailbag yes. question. So maybe we should just straight up, uh, you know, read the question from the our listeners. All right. So I'll read the mailbag and then we'll kind of give the background on it. Sure. Let's do it. Articulate as possible here. Yeah. So this is actually from Work Stuff. It says, I am a regular listener and YouTube commenter, and at the start of my journey with uh, Power BI, and try to architect a solution that works for our company. My question slash topic suggestion revolves around the reuse of DAX measures. I know that composite models are a fairly new feature and allows for the creation of golden data sets, which I can store some core DAX measures. But from what, I've, from what I have seen and various things Marco Russo has spoken about, this adds some latency, so performance can take a nosedive. Other than this approach is the only other option to replicate measures and logic around various models and potentially add more points of failure when it comes to maintenance. Possibly new, uh, soon to be blogged by Tommy, APIs will provide a better visibility what each model hides under the covers. Yep. Um, yeah. And great contest, love listening. So basically the background here is the new feature in Power BI where you can use a live connection to a Power BI data set. Yep. You can now basically connect other sources, which was previously never possible. And it's a, a direct query under analysis services, which allows you to say, you know, but Power BI data set plus an Excel file or plus a manual table which really allows some more, much, much more dynamic features to expand. So, so the real, the first part of this is, is that an option? When does that option really present itself? The other part of what work stuff said is what about latency? You know, you can create DAX measures. There's limitations when you use a composite model or direct query. Correct. Uh, to like, you know, adding some custom columns, uh, you know, doing what you can do in power query, but what are the pitfalls? What are, you know, does the latency, problem when you add DAX measures on top of it, on top of a data set already, what can that do to the actual report? So if you want to add any more to that, but that's kind of the gist of, I think the question. Yeah. So, I mean, let's define, again, I'm going to go through and define a couple terms here that we're talking about just so people who don't understand or haven't really used these things in depth, right? A composite model is a model that is, I think, I mean, I'm going to say the definition, you guys correct me if I got it right or wrong. Uh, and hopefully Tommy will be right now. I'll a second meal. Uh, so the composite model. Doesn't happen often. So. <laughs> the, 
the composite model is any model that has multiple different loading types. It's not it's not necessarily sources. So you could have everything in import mode and multiple data sources, and that's still just we would call that just a model. But the composite model is where we have some things in import and some things in direct query. And technically, I guess at the at the end of the day, a, a live connection is just a direct query from your thin report to a Power BI data model. And so um, we have this uh, a live connection or a direct query to analysis services. So you can have basically models of models, right? So I can build a data model in my Power BI file and that data model can refer to other data models that are already existing elsewhere. So if you imagine, you know, maybe I have a model for sales and I have a model for um, marketing, right? Maybe I want to pluck some information out of both of those models. And so I can make a third model that kind of pulls data points from either one of those other models. So when we're saying composite models, we're talking about kind of all those different elements together, right? It could be import direct query in the same model, and it could be um, an analysis services model that's directly querying other analysis services models. Does that sound right, Tommy? Yeah, it's, that's, that's dead on. That's dead on. Okay. So, so that's what we mean it, by composite yeah. model pieces. So let's talk about maybe just in general, some of the limitations around composite models. Maybe we should start there. Seth, what do you think? Have you have you done a lot of work with the composite model pieces? We can we can start in composite models, but I think there's multiple topics in this question. Mm. Yeah, maybe let's unwrap that first. So to and and let's agree on like what those are, right? I think reuse of measures. Mm. Agreed. Which we which we kind of talked about last week in thin reports and we can refresh yep. right now. Yep. The use of composite models and when and where it makes sense. Uh, I, I think part of that conversation, because the question was geared towards end users, is mm -hmm. enterprise sources of data access for business users. Yep. Right. And then um, kind of end user engagement and ownership. Like what, what, sh what should mm -hmm. we expect that those business people to be doing or those teams? Because what do, what do they own versus what is another team? call it the BI team or whoever manages models and, and what do they own, right? Like, and, and when does that transition happen? And we've talked about that a little bit as far as like, how do you pro, you know, like increase a, a model to hand it off to somebody? Sure. Yep. I, I think all those are part of this conversation, like ultimately. So maybe, maybe we just start with the, the initial part of the question and talk about measure reuse. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yes, then that's going to dovetail into like, how does composite models interact with that? Because there, there's going to be some breakdowns, right? Agreed. Totally agree there. So measure reuse, I, I, I like this topic a lot. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of putting measures in a thin report. However, there has not been very many good methods to get those measures out. And let's call it, for lack of a better term, there's this concept of lineage. So I have a data model. I have measures and columns that are in that model. I build visuals. And those visuals consume measures of those models. And so there's not a really good method to see what what parts of my data model are being consumed everywhere. And, mm. you know, it just gets, the problem gets um, harder when you have three, four, five reports that are all pointing to the same data model. And so now I have different measures for, for different models potentially. So how do, you, how do you guys kind of work through and manage it? I, I, my, my opinion here on measure reuse is, Yes, you, you want to reuse measures as much as possible. 
the whole reason you're building a model and you're building measures in the base model is to make everyone calculate things the same, right? right. If, if we're calculating sales based on a certain date column and the date column is, you know, uh, when we ship the product versus when we, when we uh, receive payment, whatever that is, someone's making a decision about how do we recognize sales numbers on a month by month basis. Yeah. So those so, yeah. are like key data points that the whole organization will use. So I'll use the example of sales and I'll use a really basic example that mm -hmm. I've seen in um, the Power Bay, the user group, the Milwaukee, Chicago user group last week, mm -hmm. which feels like it was two weeks ago. That does. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's what I thought it was a podcast, but it was a fun group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you, your example, Mike, in the demo was a thin model and it was basically nothing on the report, you know, nothing, no visuals, no nothing. And then that's kind of what was sent to the service. One example that we've we've found and I, I've used in multiple cases is you have a golden report and a golden data set, like we'll call it your global sales report. And it's your kind of your basic model, but it has all the measures, your year to date, your mm -hmm. total sales, your you know, in the total quantity, yep. your cogs, et cetera. Everything's kind of in that one report. And that's kind of, that's a report that's used. Sure. It, there's not there's no live connection. That's an import that's an on-premise data source. Yep. When we need to build reports off of it. Like, let's say there were, we got a request from a certain sales team, like, hey, we're the, uh, you know, we do education. This is, we also want one for Europe. There's certain calculations that, you know, they use a lot of bookmarks or pre-baked calculations. We'll build a live connection off of that and we'll, you know, use that data source, that global sales report, and we'll bake in, in the new report using the composite model, like maybe a reference file that they may have, but then also creating the measures, those additional measures mm, mm -hmm. in those reports. Sure. Because they're kind of team specific. And again, we've talked about this before developing reports. And again, yep. a lot of these instances have happened because they look at the global sales report or an example of that. Yep. And they're like, we use a lot of uh, bookmarks and we do comments because we are always trying to find a certain number. Sure. Like, well, we can pre-bake that calculation for you in a report. So rather than building, you know, a whole new import model and the same logic, mm -hmm. just build something with those that maybe seven to 10 additional measures. And you can, that's kind of where the, the web goes, so to speak. Yeah. So that has worked well because with the thin report, you may not know everything you need from a, the measurement point of view. Sure. And then you have to constantly go back to it. So, and then also there's always configuration with the gold data set. So using a sure. gold report at the same time and then building off of that can at least what we found is limit the amount of like tinkering on the, the new ones, okay. so to speak. Yeah. Do you, do you see the same thing, Seth? Um, I, I think, I think the, and we're dovetailing a little, right? Like yeah. use measures when, when possible in a thin report where it makes sense. I mean, I think you I should think... never use calculated columns, right? If you're talking about model. No. So, I mean, that's one of my big no, no's now that I'm looking at any models. I don't, I don't really ever prefer to use calculated but columns you... for everything. So that's on the main model, though. On the main model, correct. Right. Um, composite models start to complicate things because now if you use measures on those objects that you're bringing into the thin report. Correct. Then then you are, like, hard binding those measures, and they can't be brought up into the main model. Unless, unless you, you bring, bring the source. Objects. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that's what he's talking about, which is um, the challenges around when do you know what's out there so if you wanted to pull it up you could so i think i think that's you know 
I, I would think you would, again, I'm just trying to spitball here just a little bit, right? I think you would only want to bring things into the main model if there's enough users of that information to want to necessitate the work or the effort to bring in those extra tables right. and bring them into the main model. So like, you know, if it's just a team of like two or three people, or, and I guess it may even be like based on seniority too, right? If your CEO is looking at a report that has a composite model going on and there's an extra table that he needs in there, well, doggone it, we probably should put it in there so that the, the model can run quickly and fast for, for everyone. And that's, you know, they have enough seniority to require the work to be done. But if it's just, you know, if it's just Michael looking at a report and I've added a couple of measures that I need for what I want to report on and it's not a certified data set, it's not governed, it's just yeah. kind of like I'm doing it, this is what I, how I'm doing, that does not necessarily make sense to bring in the composite right. model measures to the main metal. And I'd also say, I mean, part of this where I'm having hesitation of doing some of this and I, why I like the thin reports to contain most of the report level measures it gets very confusing when you have a main model that has all the measures you need for every single visual or page and report. There's a lot of things you do, like I'm going to format this measure so that it can be used to color something, or I'm going to format this measure so that it shows a blank field or not show a blank field based on what's been selected. So there are some like very yeah. specific, I think there's like measures that make sense to still live in the report, because if you think about what they do, they're really their purpose is for one or two visuals or one particular stylizing thing, and I would prefer to see those stylized measures live in the local models or the the thin reports, as opposed to having those live in the main report because it just gets confusing. And then the next person who looks at your main model, you've got all these measures that you don't understand how they work. And the downside of this is when you're connecting to it, I can't see how the measure is written. I mean, I can yeah. see the model now, but I can't see the formulas that that measure does. So I have a hard time going back through and saying, okay, I see this is just, you know, the total sales is simply a sum of sales. Mm -hmm. To me, that's very helpful. And, you know, with the documentation or the description field in measures, as hard as it is, it really is a good idea to describe what this field is doing and how it's right. getting its data together. But so, I know it, yeah. it's very hard to do. So a few interesting things there, Mike, in terms of when we're building a, like, let's say a thin report or golden data set sure. is so important for that owner to organize. Yes. Um, and agree with that. so for example, the, w any measure that's used in a thin report, we really say it be better be built off a foundational measure from the gold data set. Sure. Like there's, an, and if there's no reason not to use a, um, you know, like a, a sum in a sense when you're in a, in a, additional uh, report or your, your second report mm -hmm. built off of it. The sure. other thing too, with the organization, well, you can solve for it. Let's say you do have those, you know, uh, you selected this, it's a drill through page of measure or the title measure. I don't like using measure tables, but except for selected, like things that are in a sense, text or sure. descriptive. Yep. Exactly. So that always shows that makes up sense. on the top. And so yeah. that also organization, but using display folders, like you said, using descriptions in the measures, Helpful. you better be doing that. If you are sending, even for yourself, like oh, even yeah. if you're the one building the, the reports off the golden data set, but especially if you're building, uh, you know, a data set that other people are going to use, there better be some organization to, uh, to it where it's like base measures, your foundational measures. Most of the things you can do, you can do with these measures here. Yeah. Here's your year to date measures, but having that organization is a huge catalyst in terms of the, I think success and also making sure people are using the right things. Yeah. Speaking of the golden data set, right. I, I think this, 
this topic and this question revolves around like I'm the guy in the company that owns the master model, right? Mm -hmm. That that I want users to use this, but what happens when they start bolting composite things on, yeah. right? Because yeah. I can't I can't manage all that. And I like the answer is I don't think depending on depending on what you built the model for, unless it's a business area specific model where they're going to need these other ancillary pieces where realistically like in composite models, we're, we're normally just recommending people add in that small table that's going right. to allow them to filter in a different way. Right. It's not loading in millions of records into this otherwise, you know, uh, join model. That's yeah. part of the service because yeah. that is where performance hits are going to happen. But I think because this is the realm of like, Hey, he's talking scale. Right. Yes. And especially if you have a model that's supporting multiple business units, like there's a process of discovery and understanding, like this person may be using this data source, but that may not be something that you're going to pull into the main model. Yeah. And I think if, if we're in that context right now, there's no great way for us to understand all of those other pieces in the thin reports. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Is it? No, even with the scanner or, or API, does okay. that become does that no. become available? Uh, so I wanted to. This is one thing I was waiting That's for. That's actually a really good question. It's a really good. So challenges today, right? You can go through a main report and you can kind of interrogate some objects. The thin reports are not very well documented. However, right. you're right. Have you guys heard of? Uh, I think it's Michael Kowalski from yes. from Microsoft. He is one of the Microsoft team members, and he runs the website Elegant BI. Uh, he's very vested in building tabular, uh, tabular level, tabular objects and things. He just recently released a blog, and I'll I'll put this in the link here. So it's a report, export report objects. It's a C sharp oh, yeah. script that runs inside tabular editor. So basically, you go to GitHub, get his C sharp script, and you basically point his script. Again, it doesn't require tabular editor. It's only using tabular editor to execute the script. But the C-sharp script is then going into the Power BI file, thin or not thin report, and interrogating all the objects. And I haven't played with it yet, but um, it looks like a really interesting option. So yeah, here's more Power BI objects. Yeah. So it's it's it basically you point it to a folder of objects, and it will. Yeah, you found it, Tommy. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, here is the link. I'll put that in the chat window. Tommy got it for uh, YouTube. So. This this link is basically him going through. This is the uh, the article that he talks about, and he goes, "Hey, in order to get all the objects out of the all the reports, thin or otherwise, use this C# -sharp script, and it will then allow you to export um, anything, and you can dump all the data into a single folder. So basically, it, it mm -hmm. will give you everything you need. This is really helpful because it it, re it re outputs report filters, the pages, page filters, visual filters, all the visual objects." Any custom visuals that you're using, all the bookmarks, all the connections. So he's going back through and he's actually parsing out the PBIX file and giving you an extract of all that information. So I gotta spend more time. I, I have it looks really promising. I haven't quite spent enough time to like get into uh, using it myself, but it seems very interesting. Well, you raise an interesting point because as I've been diving into the scanner API, um... uh oh, oh, you lost your audio, lost Tommy. You. Austrian. Tommy, you got to be careful with that mic. All right. Well, while, my, my, while Tommy figures out uh, 
his his microphone. It'll allow me to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's awesome that you found that tool, right? And, and I think it definitely does deserve some discovery. Um, and us probably doing doing an episode on it, right? To, to see most likely, yes, all those needs. Yep. But I I do think that's only like it's one awesome, right? Like we potentially have a way to to interrogate this. We yes. can add that into a process. Yes. Um. But I I do think that this also falls into you know podcast thirty four around IT data sets versus user data sets and having a process that that is well defined within the organization that allows business users to know like even if they have to do this temporarily yeah what how, what is the path to get this to to a main model right yep. or what is the who do i need to talk to about what i'm doing yes if, especially if i kill my model the and process of it down mm -hmm. and and at the same time like while using this tool to understand models and what they're doing you know there's a part of that that could be who's chewing up my resources, right? Yes. And, and that's where the conversation with whoever that owning team and the business unit needs to be from the standpoint of you either need to accelerate this or pay, like you own more of like the costs of this capacity because your resource is now chewing up a quarter right. of what we're doing. Exactly. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. Hey, yeah. Have your a little scary. <laughs> so I, I would agree with you, Seth, and I think partly here too is if you open up models, so there's a couple things here I, I wanted to make a note here. One thing I thought was interesting was, especially when we're talking about building measures and models, um, Power BI allows you to have implicit measures on models. So you can just grab a column that's a number and drop it onto the page. Uh, what, I guess one of our main guidances would be to not use that. If you're building reports or you're building uh, data models, you want to make sure people are not using implied measures. However, I think an interesting maybe tidbit here is when you're using calculation groups, if you're using calculation groups, if you turn one on in a model, there's a flag that is set inside the Power BI data model that automatically turns off all implicit measures. You can't have nothing that's implicit. So there's a, again, there's another, another part of this too, is I think, I think your, main, your main data models probably should have that flag turned off. And I don't, maybe someone can quote me in the, uh, either LinkedIn or, or YouTube of what that flag or that value is, which you can switch inside tabular editor. But there's actually a setting where you can say, this model will not accept implicit measures. And I think that's actually something you want to turn on, especially when you're gonna have a lot of other people consuming your data model, because you want them building measures to do what you want, as opposed to just having implied measures across the model using in, and using them in visuals. It's harder to track, I think, that way. Question: Since I did lose audio for a little, um, did we talk about too the uh, the credentials you have to give someone in order for them to view a composite model? We did not. Okay, talk about that so one. Here, here's the other thing too, and um, I'm sure this kind of as we talk about IT and you know the, from a governance point of view, right now if you were to actually get someone to view a composite model mm -hmm. in the service, not necessarily it has nothing to do with building, yep. but you have to give them build rights on the gold data set correct so technically they could open up power bi desktop download for free as we've talked about before yep. great feature and they can just go to power bi data sets connect to it without any issues at all no matter what the actual import data sources are and public you know do whatever they want with that and they don't need to even publish the service anytime they open that desktop file it's going to be up to date sure which right now there's no way to restrict that 
Now, usually a lot of people that you're built, you know, you're giving the composite model to, they're not going to think to do that or know to do that, but you are open. That door is open. Sure. Exactly. So, which does provide a lot of security because now yep. if it's not published to the service, you can't see what people are looking at that's or good, building. Well, that's a good point. I mean, this is not talking like we'll, we'll call the, the old term of shadow IT, right? You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're able to pull things out of models. I mean, you, you, technically you could connect to it to Excel and, and yeah. dump tables and information out and be using that offline if you needed to without yeah. that, with that build permission turned on. So that's, that's kind of a condition that you're talking about there. You need that at least on the data set. That's another interesting point because you would, you, in some cases, you actually want to restrict those data sets to, well, you can only look at it online. It only comes through PowerBI.com right. or whatever, you know, governed, I'm going to call it governed reports that come off of that data model. So let me ask you guys a scenario and see, I want to hear what you guys think, which one's worth it. So imagine you had your gold data set where you had to build a lot of other sources off of more or less the same idea in terms of like your, your SQL, the total sales. Mm -hmm. um, and you had to supply this on scale for a lot of users. The other option is you really have, in a sense, two competing import data sets, data sets, more or less the same relationship from the base, more or less the same measures. Which one is, in a sense, we'll call it worth it, uh, or which one's kind of the better option? Because I've we've had a scenario like that in the past where you have two reports that are almost showing the same thing where we either mm. consolidate the reports or sure. maybe we just build a thin one, but they, they have sort of different purposes where it's like, why don't we just consolidate it? But again, then you're building all these other things off of this where you can't run into those problems, but we have to have, make sure because people look at both of them, you have to have the same refresh schedules because yep. people need to know they're looking at the same thing. Correct. Again, if there's anything built off there, they are completely independent of each other. So where does the ver the diverge go in terms of using the composite model, using the gold data set and the thin reports compared to having two data sets that are nearly identical but need to be separate? This is I think this begs a really good question. Um, two thoughts I think I have on this one. And the first thought I would say is really around if there is data that's so common, you better darn well sure that you're pulling the exact same information from for both tables, right? Because nothing's more frustrating at the end of the day when yeah. you get to two reports that have two different numbers with virtually the same filter context. Because one's using implicit, one's using explicit. Exactly. If you're if your source is a SQL server, then I would guess that most of your dimensions are coming from the same SQL views. So that would be one thing I would be looking at to to, to make sure we have that. Right. And so something you could do, right? So you're in some cases, right? If you have, let's just again, I'm spitballing here, right? I don't know what exactly your use case is, but let's say you have five dimensions and you have one fact table. Let's just, and you have two of these, right? Maybe the fact table is slightly right. different on a different table or whatever that may be. What you're doing in the service is, um, which is less of an issue now than it was before, but you're basically duplicating all the data for those five dimensions twice. You're loading each table two times. Mm -hmm. From an efficiency standpoint, that's not very efficient. A better model would be to have all five dimensions in one report and then potentially two fact tables that would be able to point to those uh, various five dimensions. So from an efficiency standpoint, I like the idea of being able to consolidate the models down as much as possible. And I mean, I prefer to have breakpoints where like the subject matter is legit, legitimately different, right? There's, there's a fact table that does not blend well with all these dimensions. I'd rather have more fact tables in one data model that share dimensions so that we get that consistent experience. And so it, I, I, I would opt for try to merge the model down to one 
and I maybe I'll put a little star asterisk with that is only if the audience is large enough that it requires that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So we were talking in our user group and one of the people from, uh, I guess, Alex was talking to us about large data models. And when you have oh. one, mega, one mega model, it's really large, you, sometimes you need business units or sales teams for a single client to have just a copy of the data for them to report on to the client. So there's this concept of like, well, you could take a large model that would maybe be 60 gigs in size or you know 50 gigs in size, a big model for all customers, and then you can repeat that model and only add filters to individual clients, and you can give that to a specific team. Because it's, so to your point, Tommy, right? If you have a lot of people hitting the same model, you need a very large analysis services machine right. to keep that model up and fresh. And I mean, Seth will argue this, I think, all day long too. Not every client or not every customer of your business is paying you the same amount of money. So there are always premium level customers in, in your BI space. If you're giving them reporting out of Power BI, they're going to pay you top dollar that you may give them the the premium experience they may get their own data model because they're larger and they're you know they're they're a valued customer but their needs may not be the same as the rest of your organization so that would be maybe my two thoughts on that like i think i would prefer to consolidate it when you say when you say same data like yeah. is it literally the same data with the exception of a few things let's let's say for the argument yes it's more or less yeah, uh, the same data, just showing very different things, but it is the same data. It could be because of people coming at different times. It could be because of different teams, you know, but you get this scenario. So you're looking like, so like, I think like the, roughly the, like sales by some dimension, right? Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah. 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 Someone yeah. may have a different dimension. The two models might have a slightly different dimension in them. A few different dimensions, maybe. But one the fact table is basically yeah. the same. The fact, yeah. Yeah. Base yeah. fact tables. Oh, man, this is this is where like perspectives. Yeah, would yeah. Be. It sounds like they that like it's a good fit. It just not point. supported if you're in the Power BI straight realm. Analysis services still supports it. You know, to go that route. Can you RLS it? I thought perspectives did work in desktop. No, just, the only thing that works in perspectives is, is personalized specific, visuals. Yeah. Oh. It's a, it's yeah. 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 So you can't. Not, it's not global. Like uh -oh. you can't. Is there, connect is there a way you set. can roll level security it? I mean. That, that I wouldn't say that would be the issue. I think the issue is just consolidating two reports where right. you have the same thing. But I mean, even, in, yeah. in, in our realm, right? Like it, it, it's, I guess it's two different points. One is, can, can it be, can it, can these, you know, can it be a unified data set that you just figure out how to, you know, pull in the different dimensions and then use them for different purposes. Mm -hmm. And if, if that road is longer, it is, is, is there a need to support two different models? And if there is, there's a cost associated to that right. that the business needs to understand and it needs to make a, a conscious choice that yes, we're going to do this for the interim period, but the path forward is consolidation and that's going to take X amount of work. Right. Um, that's true. If, if there's no way to, you know, use, use what's in power BI specifically to support both those methods, I guess is my right. point. Now, and because, yeah, because I think for it's not so much the security, I really think it's the scale and the performance that the question uh, kind of lies on. To me, that's where my focus would be. It's 
you may have these reports that you could easily consolidate. But the thing is now, if you have seven data reports off of this, you have this consolidation where everyone's viewing it. Um, I don't know how many tests, I think Chris Webb did a test on premium per user and the capacity and performance, yep. but you know, you're really now dealing with performance, you know, issues. If everyone's are hitting these reports, your measures also need to be written well set. too. I mean, you can't, yeah. so, I mean, again, and you're, you're looking at like, if you're looking at performance and stuff, like you can't have junky measures in there because no, when you start visual performance, yep, you better be using the, your top 50 or top 100 you yep. know, by default, because you're going to run into these issues, even on, in a sense, these two con new consolidated reports, much less anything that's built off, you know, the continual build off. Yep. Makes sense. So I think, and I don't know how many, I know, like I said, I think Chris Webb did a test, like has done a few performance tests, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I don't know how extensive these tests have been. So it's, if you do consolidate it, it's would be very hard to go back, especially if, you start running to real performance issues and listen. So I, I mean, the only other thing I can think of here, and we've been talking about measures and where they live. Um, you know, one of the topics we've been also talking about was this composite model piece. I think the composite model also has a limitation. If you think about what has to happen between how you're joining data between two live connected Power BI data models. So, you know, model of models kind of thing, you have to be able to take elements out of one data model and hand it through the query engine to the other data model. In just for example, if you have a dimension in your sales table that is customer, and you don't, you're linking that to another data point in a different data model that is, mm -hmm. um, you know, manufacturing or something like that, a manufacturing number. You have to list a distinct list of those customers yeah. and pass it between the two different models in order to resolve a visual that is taking data from two different models. So there's a performance part there, and you. Yeah. What you don't want to be doing is you don't want to be passing, I don't know, thousands of IDs between data models because that just slows things down a little yes. bit. I think it in 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 a basic, uh, you know, in, in principle it makes sense, but in reality, if you're doing things that are cross filtering between two different models too much, you have a performance degradation there as yeah. well. So, I I haven't really pushed a lot of companies down the, let's go make a bunch of composite models. I think in some cases it'll work very well. Um, but I think you have to be very cautious. And actually, I think we were in our user group meeting on on Tuesday last week. We had contractors saying we're very we put anything that uses composite models composite models into a sandbox. Hmm. Uh, I think that was Kevin who was talking about that. He was like, we put it all. If you can build it, you can do whatever you want with it. But we're going to limit the scope of where that goes out to until I can fully vet and test it and decide: Do we really need the composite model, or can we just push those objects into the main model? And just use one model, and I think I think that's a good approach because you you don't want to be pushing something out there that's everyone loves, and all of a sudden it becomes a, a massive issue, and then now you have to rebuild it. I mean, wouldn't that be the but wouldn't that really be the approach though? The development cycle, right? Start with it, start with the main model, <coughs> play with it in a composite model to figure out what other data you need, figure out if it works, test it with some QA. Yeah, this works. Okay, value added. Let's go back and migrate these objects into the main model now, because now we now we have a path to go. We now know what we need to build. We just got to add it into the main model. Well, it, that and that's a discussion point, right? Like mm -hmm. you you built it off a main model. Yeah. Right? Yes, exactly. In a, in a in a larger enterprise scenario, like maybe the use case is not going to be added into the main model, and a separate smaller model for your use case needs to be spun up and used. That's where, a good point. Where that is where that is part of the solution. That's right. another good point. Like, yeah, maybe you have a little data mart that that handles your right. stuff, right? And then I, I guess the other point 
there's a there's another element to this, right? Like we're talking a lot of the models, but if there are enterprise sources of data access, right? That's where that becomes easier because you could you could replicate the pieces that you would need from the main model and just pull for your business unit or or you know carve off because this is this is deemed a separate use case that they don't want to bolt onto the main model. So you have a lot mm -hmm. of options provided those end users have access to that that data set. Good point. Um, you know, albeit you don't want to start spooling up the same size of data sets everywhere. You, you know. Yeah. Say same size models everywhere. You know, the the more the more we have this conversation, the more I'm really leaning towards, you know, that that approach where you really do start off with it like a gold data set and consolidate more of your reports because, yeah, the costs you know from us performance scalability, some, some security with the build, but that's only the composite model. If you're live connection, then you don't have to worry about it, but. When you think about where you know this report's using the right dimensions and you know they're updated, you know, again, if you're using it from a user build, if they're using data flows or if there's a view that changes or if there's logic that changes, you know, that's updated in one data set. You know, the measures are, you know, everything that you need from a foundational measures. The benefit there and they refresh at the same time, which is also a point of contention. If you have five reports that are more or less in this, the same data, but they all have different refresh schedules, people will look at that. Somebody in the organization will find one number that's not right, even just because it was refreshed an hour ago yep. and one was refreshed today. So these types of things, I think those are the huge benefits. And the more I, the more we talk about it, the more I think about it, the more to me, it, it really outweighs I think some of these potential uh, performance issues, because I think there's some, like we've talked about, there's some hacks we can do where we can do like top 50 in a bar chart mm -hmm. or, or like on a table. Um, and we can have it, if you need it, that table view, just go to, in a sense, this the import model, which is kind of more or less, almost like an audit trail, so to speak. Sure, sure. So. You make a good, you make a good point. That's and an maybe, idea, you know, an audit like, trail. No, well, I mean, sometimes maybe the latency is worth it. Yeah. You know, you, like we, we strive for performance and we like, we, I love how we've created a, an atmosphere where like people can click a button and it instantly shows up. Right. But the reality is, is there's a lot of reporting tools out there where you, you wait. You chew. Right? Yeah. So the data so just hangs. Maybe, maybe no. it's worth the, the, the additional latency. And it's not one of those situations where we can perfect mm. it because we're okay with the composite model. You know, like there, there's a, we obviously, I think in a realm where we're constantly trying to optimize and make things as fast as possible for a better user experience. But yeah. at the same time, does the functionality of the composite model where we've added flexibility into a business user's life to be able to take a main core set of data that's 95% of the volume and the data and bolt on something and their reports a little slower. Yeah. I would love yeah. to see a decision tree being built for an organization from this, because I feel that's kind of what's needed with these different scenarios. Like, are you using the same fact table, like the same base data set? Yes. You know, do you need right. something just one off of it? Because that would probably would be needed for an organization but, for each. Yeah. yeah. But that's like, to me, that's part of the adoption framework, right? Yeah. Like a lot of the things yeah. we were talking about or part of your process of what is, what is a data set that comes up and gets promoted 
through, you know, an IT driven data set, you know, we say IT or, you know, more of a, a t- total business data set versus your unit. And what are the paths? You, right. I, I would say that's probably belongs in there. What is that decision tree and where does it fall out? Because the organization is going to pay for it in one way or another, either right. it's going to be dollars or time, right? right. Like you're going to, they're going to wait a little bit more or, you know, maybe they spool up multiple different models that contain the same data. I would love to do a word cloud from all of our episodes so far and to see what kind of floated the top because I think process maybe our number that and Matthew Roach maybe our number one and, and game two changer. and game changer. <laughs> I would yeah, game changer is probably pretty high up there too. You know, we'll have to go wordsmith all these things together. Yeah, I, I think this is a really interesting topic, and I think this is. I mean, I think I think there are some guidelines that are out there, but I think we're still seeing like larger organizations still learning through some of this as well. I mean, I think there's still some um, knowledge that's being handed out to us because this is, well, I mean, composite models are a direct query to analysis services models is is kind of a newer thing. It hasn't been around that long. So they're still trying to perf- continually performance tune it, uh, adding features to it to make it faster for us to use and consume. So, so let me I, ask, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say either way, you know, uh, this is, this is the fun part, I guess, for me is, you know, thank, thank you work stuff for the question. Yeah. Now, now you can rail on us. Did we answer it <laughs> or, you still have it? or at least provide some insights, right? Give the consulting answer. Right. Well, it depends. It depends. It depends. So, it depends. so <laughs> let me ask a kind of, we'll call it a closing question, but for you two to really start, um, full on using composite models with using direct query analysis services. What are some of the things that Power BI is going to need to add to the feature set or kind of what walls need to break in terms of for you to say, this is the primary approach moving forward. So I, I think I'm looking for from a, uh, in order or in order for me to kind of right now, I think I'm looking at the composite model piece and direct query to analysis services as more of a special case. Right, it's not something I'm going to develop enterprise models on top of. I think there is some feature set around making sure that when I'm handling lots of dimensions or lots of key values between two different models, that we have almost again, I can't assume that's always going to be exactly the same performance, mm-hmm. but comparable performance. Right, you realize that you're you may have a slightly slower analysis, or it might be slightly slower. So with within reason, right allowing me to have kind of n number of key values passed between two different models, I think is one thing that would be a feature that I'd be looking for to kind of give more of a, pro- a stamp of approval to put composite models more into production. I, I really do think composite models right now are more of these edge case things, right? It's more business user centric than I'd be going out and starting to say, all right, we're going to be an enterprise and we're going to build composite models for everything. I don't think I would lead with that yet. That'd be maybe my perspective. Seth, what do you yeah, think? I just, I just don't know if we're going to get there. You know, I mean, mm. the, the flexibility of, you know, performance is a big one, yeah. right? Yep. And, and the one that I hadn't thought about before you brought it up, Tommy, was the permissions, permission yeah. sets. I mean, to, to have to, you know, elevate somebody's permissions to go view reports based on composite models. Like, yeah, I, if it, if it slows down the use of them, it's probably a good thing, right? Like you don't want, a ton of composite models in your, in the wild unless unless those performance things are are addressed but at the same time that flexibility it's it's huge 
it was a it was a huge ask and now that it works against you know the live data set and power bi service yeah. you know it's it's been there for a while in as but um it it opens up capabilities right and and that's why i think they're trying to do is unblock people um i think i think it you know it there's some due diligence I need to do now that there's a potential tool right uh, out of elegant Blue bi and, and invest a little time in there and in building a solution that is monitoring where those are being used how that fits into a promotion path um and how the organization wants to manage those types of models because you know like i said it's going to be slower or or you know you have a path to rectify and not have a a composite model that's you know taking a long time to render things I, I don't, you know, outside of that, you know, it's, it's hard for me to, I guess, think of any other additional features that would be required. It's yeah. a huge win that it's out there. Yeah. I'll complete the triad of needs because both of what you said, I completely agree. Performance, security with the build. And then the last thing is from the scanner point of view, knowing what other data sources are going to be used or can have the insight into that. But I think though, yeah. I would agree with that one too. I think I think this kind of convolutes a little bit or it makes it harder for you to discover like what's really happening with your data models. And I think there's a couple tools out there that'll help us with that, but they're I mean they're potentially more effort for you to figure out what's going on. So if you turn on a model to composite models, right? You can turn on the uh, um, Azure audit logging for analysis services models so that way every query that comes across the wire, you can look at every single right. query and so yeah. you technically technically you can watch everything that's happening at the model level but if you're at a very large model and there's a lot of people hitting it you have a potential for a lot of information these queries are very large multiple kilobytes tens of 20s of kilobytes in size because these are large data queries that are coming back to the analysis services engine so you're just just be aware like you can get to it but potentially there's a lot of data to weed through in order to get to an answer that you need so yeah. i think in the same way we're having the problem with thin reports to main main model reports, it's just another layer to that as well. So now we have another layer of like, well, well, how does, how does all the lineage work from the main model to the mm -hmm. composite model now to the reports and the visuals? So now I need a, a better, I think the tooling's getting there. I think people are starting to say, this is a problem. We're going to figure it out. That's where you're seeing Michael Kowalski's, you know, C sharp script come out right. and say, Hey, we can rip apart a file for you and show you all the elements that are there so you can see them. So I think we need more of that. And I think, I hope, We'll see what, what happens, but I hope purview is kind of one of these things where we could see without a lot of, um, I don't want manual effort, right? I want to just figure it out. I want to be able yeah. to click on a model and I want to see like a tree. I want to see, I want to be able to click on the main model and see, oh, look, we've got three composite models living off this in the service. Here's yeah. their workspaces. And then when I click on those models, I can say, okay, this composite model has three reports on it. And I can see all the measures down to the visual level of what's going on in those reports. So it's a lot of data I know. But I think if you're going to accurately manage these things, I think you need you that level to. of information from a governance standpoint. I, being being the guy who loves admin, I can't believe I didn't think of it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely yeah. right. Like yeah. The this isn't this isn't a matter of controlling, right? It's a matter of understanding. So it's fantastic that that functionality exists, but in larger scales absolutely right and yeah. chris chris wagner joined us on youtube hi chris hi chris um is agreeing with all all of mike's points because yeah you can't how do you manage like we're having this conversation around the challenges of composite model what it's going to do to reports and end users don't know that yeah and users don't know what they're they're 
what they're doing, what sort of resources they're they're sucking, or why their report is so slow. And it's going to require those people in the units or in the the know to understand that it's happening, one. Yes. And two, figure out how how it's supposed to be directed, and then how do you resolve it if at all possible, right? And and that's a lot of the a lot of the implementation things that are helping business users, I think potentially are hurting companies though, yeah. right? Because just because you're opening up these doors yeah. doesn't mean they're great. Exactly. You know, like yeah. you need the people who who are managing all of it to understand the ecosystem, what's happening in it, so that visibility is paramount. Correct. The data source may be endorsed, but the guy who's building it is not. So. <laughs> that's every, that's everything I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I think this has been a really good topic. And again, I, I hope we answered the question. Um, I, I'm going back to just briefly the question here at the very last part. I want to wrap up with one other kind of thought here. Um, they said, you know, kind of one of the, the key questions of the comment from, from work stuff was, you know, what are the points of failure when it comes to maintenance? And I think at the end here, I think we've done a good job of kind of talking about those are some of the weakness. We have less visibility as to what's happening and what is the lineage of all these data points and where how we can trust the data. And I think a lot of, I mean, if we if we kind of really distill this down to like what some core concepts are, right? We are putting data together that people have to trust. And at the end of the day, it's all about trusting what you're seeing on a page. So as long as we can all kind of agree about the level of trust that's happening here, um, you know, you that that at that at the core level, the trust of what you're building here, you, you can't have a bunch of these off-the-cuff calculations and things that are giving you different numbers all over the place because people will stop trusting your data and it that endorsement of that trust and and maintenance of that data set is very important for you know kind of success of whatever you're going to be building right? right if people are finding no value from your report or they can't trust it then they're just going to move on to something else and go back to excel or you know doing data dumps again and building their own analysis on top of it so i would say Good, discuss good discussion. Good I would discussion. say if you, if you can, yeah, try and push as many things rusty. as you can back to the main model, right? Push as much stuff as you can to your 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 one source. I think it's easier to manage from a governance standpoint. Um, and then we'll see what the tooling provides in the future, right? That would make this easier to handle and manage thin reports and um, other composite model type things. Well, with that, we're going to kind of wrap the, the episode. Thank you all very much for attending or listening to Explicit Measures. You can find us on all the major social media channels. We're on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitch, Facebook, and Periscope. If you want to find us somewhere, uh, feel free to watch live. We do this every Tuesday and Thursday. And we, our only ask is, would you share this with someone else who you think might find this valuable as well? So if you got a kick out of this, if you learned something new, if you, if you felt value from this, uh, if you're at work, at the water cooler, and you're talking to somebody else, please just uh, share this conversation with them and let them know, hey, I listened to this interesting podcast. It was it was helpful to me. Go check them out. Uh, here's the link. And then, Tommy, where can we find uh, the podcast, either podcast or video? Yeah, so one thing off what you said, Mike, too, this entire uh, episode today was off of a mailbag. So That's if exactly you want right. to join the conversation or suggest a topic, do it on YouTube comments. Uh, go to powerbi.tips. Uh, There's a podcast page on Twitter. So suggest a uh, topic you want us to talk about. We're available on Apple, Spotify, anywhere a podcast is available. If you're listening to this, you can watch it online uh, on YouTube and LinkedIn. And if you're watching it, you can listen to it on any podcast platform. Awesome. 
Well, thank you guys very much. Awesome conversation. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you on Thursday.